One week before the NFL draft, Chief General Manager Brett Veach held a teleconference to generally discuss the draft, but naturally other topics were addressed, like the contracts of Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes. We'll play the entire 30-minute audio on today's Sportsbeat KC. It's Thursday, April 16th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's going to be the strangest of drafts with the COVID-19 pandemic keeping everyone at home. The draft was supposed to take place in Las Vegas. Instead, it will occur in the homes of NFL officials and each team's personnel. Veach talks about that challenge. So let's get started with Chiefs General Manager, Brett Veach. Well, I can't see anybody, but I, I do appreciate everyone hopping on this, this web chat today. I hope everyone and their families are, are staying healthy. You know, certainly this terrible virus has has affected everyone um, in the country, but our thoughts and prayers go to those individuals to, uh, and families who have been um, more directly affected and, and impacted. Before we begin, I certainly want to thank, and, and again, on behalf of our entire organization, want to thank all of the people in the medical fields, doctors, nurses, um, emergency first care providers. Um, those people are really the true heroes in this whole thing, and none of this is possible without them, so certainly want to thank them. As we transition to the draft, and um, we're excited about this, uh, this setup, um, I'm sure you guys have a lot of questions about uh, the setup, but um, it gives me a chance to really thank all the people behind this. And every year I get a chance to come up here and, and thank our our great scouting staff. And, and I've said this time and time again, I'm truly blessed and fortunate to have such a such a talented staff. But I think uh, during this process here, some of the people that um, sometimes get overlooked, I think their ability has really come, come to the forefront. Um, certainly Ted Cruz and, and his PR staff and, and getting us set up every day. Um, with uh, our media obligations, Kevin Higgins and the people in IT, Pat Brazil, our video crew, Alan Wright, Rick Burkholder, uh, Rocco Mazzella, and, and the facilities um, kind of helping me transform my basement into a draft room. Those guys have, have, have been outstanding, so can't thank them enough. And with that, I'll turn over to Brad G. And uh, I hear you guys' questions. Uh, we're going to start with Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, uh, Brett. Um, I just want to make sure. Sure, everybody's okay and you, with you. Everything's okay with you and your family. And, and, and can you talk a little bit about the challenges that preparing for a draft in this environment has uh, has provided? Yeah. Well, first, thank you, Adam, for asking that question. And, and you know, we're we're doing well. And uh, you know, the the hard part I think is when, you know with the young kids is just um, keeping them occupied. And, and hopefully, the weather cooperates more as we transition into spring. But yeah, the, you know, I think it's kind of been an evolution when this first. Um, we got wind of, of an all virtual draft. I think there was a lot of questions and how things were going to run, but you know, quite honestly, I mean, the last two, three weeks, everything has been virtual. Um, our ability to communicate with players, coaches, go through stats, go through um, certain situations throughout the draft. Um, it's almost become in commonplace now where we just wake up in the morning, come down and um, we have the ability to record all of the players that we interview. So there's a lot of times where I'm jumping on these chats live and, and interacting. And there's a lot of, times where I'm working through some video and I'm working through some other stuff where I can go come back in the morning and just click on yesterday's videos and and watch that so there are certainly unique challenges but those challenges are the same for all 32 teams and um, you know I think we're prepared and now again it's it's almost the norm right now all right we'll go to Herbie go ahead Herbie hey Brett good morning how are you hey Herbie how you doing yeah, I'm well, thanks. Typically, some general managers around the NFL like to have anywhere between 180 to 220 players or prospects on their draft board. Given what you've experienced this offseason, how much has that altered your draft board? Is it 
Is the number larger or smaller compared to past years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, we try not to deviate and we want to keep things as, as um, you know, as similar to the past. Um, you know, I would say the number maybe has decreased um, a few just because um, the reality of, of this environment we're working in and, and just getting um, updated hands-on information, medical, you know, in, in-house visits. But, you know, I would say the number has slightly decreased, but nothing's, you know, nothing that's going to kind of alter, dramatically alter, you know, how we go about the draft. Um, but it's certainly a, a good question. Uh, all right, Nate Taylor, let's go to you. Um, you're gonna have to unmute. There you go, Nate. Go ahead. Yeah, bro. Um, one, one question I had. How are you doing, man? Um, one question I had was the the idea of. Uh, I know we talked about at the combine of staying at 32 or, or moving up or moving back. As you go through the process, do you feel like you guys are sort of targeting a, a certain prospect or a certain spot that you feel? based on, you know, how you anticipate the first round going where you feel like there's good positions to both move up or move back, or is 32 uh, still a plausible, firm idea moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, the you know, obviously it's, it's good to have the 32nd pick of the draft and, and knowing that you're Super Bowl champs. But when you're sitting at, at 32, um, we all look at the mock drafts and we all do our own mock drafts. Um, the only issue with that is there's just so many variables and, and there's always a couple twists and turns in the draft, but you know, the further down you are, there's going to be more twists and turns by the time you get to 32 as opposed to 10, right? If you're sitting there at 10, there's only so many things that could happen that is, is out of left field. Um, by the time you get to 32, there could be two or three scenarios that, um, you know, not that we didn't anticipate because I feel like the last three or four days we went through every scenario uh, possible. You know, there's certain positions where we feel pretty good um, in the first two or three rounds, and there's certain positions that aren't as deep. But I think you guys kind of seen our approach um, with free agency and, and just being able to always stick to the best player available philosophy. And, and you know, we're trying to build this thing not just for next year, but, you know, for the next five, ten years. And, um you know, so to sit here and say a certain position isn't in need, we don't really look at it like that because, um, you know, we're looking at the rosters um, two, three years from now, and and knowing these guys will be under um, five-year contracts or four-year contracts if drafted after the first. Um, you know, we're just looking to add um, high-level talent and and stick to that best player um, available philosophy. All right, let's go to Saran. Yeah, thanks, uh, Brett. Uh, you've come into this draft the last couple of years with uh, more picks, and you've been able to use that to package them and move up. You've only got five in this one. Uh, we know, you know, I've talked to you before about uh, how you like to be aggressive in that spot. Does this really alter how you'd like to do things with the five picks? And with that Super Bowl trophy you just mentioned, do you look at it and maybe now you shift gears and go the other direction trying to get more picks? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, obviously the, the more picks – the more flexibility you have in every draft in regards to, you know, being able to position yourself for guys and, and, and that you want. Um, you know, I, I think that when you look at this draft, I, I would say that, you know, you never want to go into a draft and pigeonhole, pigeonhole yourself and saying we're definitely moving down or we're definitely just going to stay there. You know, like you mentioned, only having five picks and, and want to add uh, as much talent around, you know, Pat Mahomes and uh, on the offensive side and, and the Badger and, and and the crew on defense, I mean, certainly the more picks, the better. We want to continue to add depth and add talent. Um, you know, it, it would be unlikely, I think, that we would try to make a big, bold move up there. But wouldn't want to roll it out. But certainly I think that we're going to um, assess the board. And, and as we get closer to our pick, 
you know, there could be a scenario where there's a guy that we just did not anticipate being there that we get excited about. And there also could be scenarios where we have a pocket of players that we like. And um, if teams uh, fall in love with a player that they want at 32, we'll certainly um, feel phone calls and be open to, to all sorts of options. All right, let's go to Mick Schaefer. Hey, Brett, how's it going? Good, how you doing, Mick? Great. Um, you guys, I mean, apparently going to run it back this year, 20 of 22 starters back from a Super Bowl team. How much of that is a result of, hey, it was a great team, you won the Super Bowl, you want to keep these guys, and how much of it is a result of the, the climate now and how limited access you guys had to free agents this offseason? Yeah, I think it kind of uh, played out like that. Our, our intention before this uh, terrible epidemic uh, unfolded was, uh, you know, we're going to really focus on the draft and we have five picks. We're going to make the most of them and, and for agency. Um, we're going to look to maintain the players that, that we have on our team and it, it worked out and, you know, being able to redo Sammy's deal and, and bring DeMarcus back and, and Sherm back and Mike Tanell back. Um, you know, we were certainly hopeful that that would be an outcome. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie and think that all these guys, we were certain they'd come back, but you know, that was our goal, um, again, before this kind of broke out, that we're going to focus on the draft and we're going to look to retain players here. And, you know, because in- inevitably um, when you start dabbling in the-, the free agency, you have to overpay. That's just the price to do business, and we understand that. Everybody understands it. So we were just really intent on focusing in on our picks and retaining our players, and um, we were very fortunate that um, we were able to get both of those guys back. All right, let's go to Sam Mellinger. So – you mentioned, uh, I think it was Adam's question about, you know, just going in and out and like this has all become kind of normal for you doing it virtually. Do you feel like you're getting more work done um, or is it less work done than compared to, to past years? And, and also how much of an advantage, what Mick just asked, how much of an advantage is continuity right now with how the offseason is being disrupted? Yeah, uh, you know, the first part of your question, you know, I think when it first started, there was that phase of like two or three days where it didn't feel like, you know, you were getting the production you want just because you were transitioning. But really, again, it goes back to Kevin Higgins in our IT department, Pat Brazil in our video department. Once we worked out the kinks um, after the first two or three days, um, it was honestly like I felt like I was at the office and, you know, but instead of me talking to my guys right there, they were just on the video screen. Um, so, you know, the first two or three days, it was a little, uh, you know, this isn't working and, and um, you know, I'm getting a slow feed. But once we got that worked out, and like I said, I, I think I think it, it, it's one of those deals where had the league just dropped this on us this week, virtual draft, uh, um, you'd be really worried about a lot of things. But I think the fact that we've had so much time to work through all the, the, the you know, the issues that may come up, um, you know, we – We've gone through different scenarios, and, and we've had a little time now that we can work through um, some of the technical stuff. But like you said, the first few days, it was a little challenging. But I think, again, everybody was on the same format and had the same issues. But um, really, the last week and a half, two weeks, it's been, been rather smooth. And, um, you know, listen, and then continuity is good in any year, but uh, certainly especially this year with um, having limited or no OTAs and, and additional practice time. I mean, the more guys – you have around that um, are familiar with how we do things, the playbook, um, what's expected of them, you know, certainly uh, uh, beneficial. I, I think it, it, it kind of like the question Mick asked before, this kind of played out, I think, you know, working out for us. I don't think it was like our intention to have this, you know, we didn't get this and then say, all right, let's just go after our guys and continuity. Our intention was let's retain our guys and let's keep continuity. And then um, the format that, which is, you know, now real, it just happened to, you know, fall in line with being uh, a very workable format for us. 
Uh, Sam McDowell. Hey, Brad, how's it going? Hey, Sam. Hey, um, just wondering, what are the actual logistics of location, timing, and, and how you're going to actually conduct this draft, and what are you maybe you most concerned about trying to replicate through the process of doing it virtually? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, everyone's going to be at their homes, you know, for the letter of the league, and, and um, we're all set up. You know, Coach will be at his house, and um, me and, and our directors uh, will be at our our homes and, and working out of our homes. Uh, the league allows uh, an IT person to be present at your house and, and a security guy there, just in case uh, people don't like your picks and not knocking on your door or ringing the doorbell or what have you. But every person is allowed, a, a security person, an IT person, everyone else, everyone else will be at home. Um, you know, we'll have monitors and some will be allocated for uh, Clark and Andy and myself and then other monitors, you know, for our personnel staff. Um, our personnel staff has the ability, you know, I have a guy like Ryan Poles who's done a tremendous job of kind of taking the lead on this. He'll be able to kind of control uh, who comes in, who comes out of the room. So if I say, Ryan, grab me Rick, he can bring in Rick into a chat room. If I say, Ryan, grab me an area scout, he can bring it in. You know, the one thing is that, you know, I want to maintain is just that ability. I don't want to be sitting there pulling people in the draft rooms and, and calling people. So I think we have a plan where we have, uh, you know, a computer dedicated to uh, Clark and Mark and, and Andy, and, and we can talk through some big picture stuff. Um, and then Ryan Poles has the ability to bring in coordinators, bring in coaches, bring in medical, um, you know, very quickly. So I think we have a plan, and I think it's going to um, be smooth, and we're excited about it. You know, one thing that I think every team is 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 probably just the most concerned about is just the flow and and the effectiveness of communication. If you're on the clock and you're working through scenarios, then you finally come up with okay. We like this guy. We don't like any of these trades, or we like this trade. We want to do this trade, but be that as it may, I think the scenario that we're all kind of playing through our mind is on the clock, and you're about to turn a card in, and then with 45 seconds left, the team comes in and presents a really interesting trade. Just making sure that you know, when you're in the office, you know, you can just look to a guy and, and compute it, just to make sure that we don't have a slow connection during that 45 seconds. So that's a little bit of a concern, just that last-minute trade that you get phone call on the clock. Um, but again, you know, the league has done a great job of, of just making sure that um, if anything crazy happens with technical difficulties, just call them and they're going to be understanding. I don't think they're trying to um, have teams be in um, a compromised position where they're losing picks or teams are jumping up ahead of them. So I think that's the big scenario, just being on the clock with uh, little time and, and a, a last-second trade come in. Um, we're going to do some mock trials of that. We've had a mock trial with the league on Tuesday. We have another one today uh, at 1 o'clock with the league, and then we have a uh, um, another one on the 20th. So um, we've been kind of doing some, some mock drafts um, and, and throwing crazy scenarios just to be prepared. Um, but, you know, you really won't know until the lights come on and how that's going to work. Uh, Annie Welniak. Hey, Brett. Um, hey, I know that we talked at the Combine a lot about quarterbacks and receivers and how deep that these two position groups were. But what about the linebacking core? And um, have any other position groups kind of come to the forefront over the last few weeks? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of – see right here, I'm looking right here. I have kind of 
names and tags and stuff written all over my basement wall here. But, you know, the linebacking core is, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, intriguing prospects. You know, there's a lot of good athletes. There are a lot of guys that um, can really make a difference in space in the, in the coverage game early on. I don't, I can't sit here and say it's it's as deep as the wideout position. But I think um, the offensive line is a group that, that is pretty good. I think we're really excited about the depth of the offensive line early rounds one through four. The receiver seems like, there, you know, there's depth right throughout the draft. But I would say that, you know, the cornerback the, the position is, is fairly deep. Offensive line and receivers are probably the three position groups that I think that, you know, there's a lot of depth that we were excited about. Uh, Pete Sweeney. Hi, Brett. Thanks for doing this. Um, yeah. I was just wondering, I know we're, we're focused on the draft today, but you guys made the select moves that you did in free agency. And I, I know this might be a little bit long-winded, but I was wondering if you could go through Remmers, Hamilton, Teamo, Seals, Jones, and Washington, and just briefly explain why you like these guys to bring them on board for 2020. Well, I'll have to shift this way because now my depth chart's over here. I think, um, and I kind of have these guys started that we signed. You know, Hamilton's an interesting guy because he was the guy that we, um, when we, every year at the, at the cut down day, we certainly do a great job. Uh, you know, Tim Terry, Mike Berganzi um, do a great job of really identifying young guys that we think are developmental talent guys. And um, at the trade cut down day last year, it's funny, um, we identified Alex Brown and Antonio Hamilton as two guys that we think we'd like to add, if not to our active roster, to our practice squad. Um, Hamilton ended up making the team. Alex Brown were able to get in the practice squad. And Alex, you know, did a good job for us and was active, um, you know, late in the season for our Super Bowl run. So Antonio was the guy that we actually had the Giants. You know, he was on the bubble and, you know, he made the team. But we monitored him um, throughout the season in case they had a, a roster crunch where they had to cut him. They never did. Um, but we certainly kept that in our back pocket for free agency. So, you know, we um, when the, the window for negotiation opened up, you know, we thought this would be if we like him back then and we wanted to add him back then, we may be able to do it. It may make sense for him and us. So we were excited about him. Um, you can never have enough uh, depth and, and, you know, certainly losing Kendall Fuller, bringing Brashad back and, and, and having Ward and Fenton. And now Hamilton gives us four corners that, you know, we think can, can you know, help us on the field. But Alex has done a great job on special teams, and Antonio, as you know, is a good special teams player. So that really went all the way back to last year at the cutdown day. Remmers was a guy that, you know, um, when you're looking at veteran offensive linemen and just um, depth, versatility, uh, experience, you know, Wisniewski had a chance to go back home in PA and play in Pittsburgh, but this was a very comparable player. Um, has a little different versatility where Wisniewski was more of a center guard. Um, Remmers gives him more of, of a tackle and guard. Um, and then uh, Cam not being on the roster. Now we have a guy that is experienced and gives us a little bit uh, of different versatility in regards to tackle and guard. So he's played a lot of football, smart, tough, and we think he'll fit right in. We're excited about him. Um, and then when you look at, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones, it was a similar scenario of when, when we went through the Blake Bell signing last year. We were looking for a young guy with some upside that had a good receiving skill set. And Tom Melvin did a great job of, of working um, with Blake. And, you know, we actually feel that, you know, I think at their stages of, of their careers that Ricky may be a little bit ahead of the curve in regards to, um, you know, the pass game. Um, so we're excited to work with a young guy with a receiving skill set and, and a nice compliment to Travis. And then with the running back, um, you know, that one kind of just worked out where the more patient sometimes you are, sometimes people fall back to you. DeAndre Washington was a guy that we like coming out. Um, we were being cognizant of our cap and, and, and making sure that, you know, we had um, enough flexibility to do the things that we wanted to do. But with running backs, 
you know, that position, you know, last year, Damian Williams was hurt early in the season. Then McCoy got nicked up. Then Darrell Williams got his hamstring. Then we signed Spencer Ware. Then he got hurt. I mean, we had four running backs get hurt last year. And, um, you know, you can never have enough of those guys that have talent, experience. The fact that he played with Pat obviously didn't hurt. But he's a guy that can um, can run, can catch, smart, great worker. And, um, again, just that experience that we went through last year, just losing so many guys. And now we had an opportunity to add um, uh, a player that is proven in this league. And, um, you know, we jumped at that opportunity. So I think I covered them all there. Um, if I missed anybody, you can, you know, chime in. But um, that was kind of our thought process. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, Matt Derrick is up next. Hey, Brett, you've, you've got the franchise tag on Chris Jones, and... Just curious about, you know, where conversations are right now with him and his representatives and what your expectation is that you can get a deal done with him before the season and change that cap number. Yeah, I mean, we've had, um, you know, a lot of discussion um, with Chris and, and the Cats brothers, and we continue to have that. Um, you know, got a lot of time. Certainly these are um, unique. Uh, it's a unique environment in which we're working with, and we're able to kind of navigate the free agency period and, and retain some guys. And we're going to work through the draft, and, and we're going to continue dialogue. But you know, we um, we know how talented Chris is. I think the franchise tag speaks for it, and um, we also have a lot of time. I mean, I, I think the deadline to get a deal done is July 15th, so there's a lot of time to continue those um, uh, continue the dialogue and, and, and to work on on something. Um, something with Chris, but you know, we, we certainly um, are going to work to maintain him, um, not just for next year, but for the future. Uh, Greg Eklund. Hey, Brett. Two-part question. One, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of talked about how the league has worked through this process in conducting this draft. Uh, first part of the question is, what's your comfort level with having the draft uh, in the first place with everything else pretty much shut down? And secondly, how is the team um, conducting its medical exams? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, both are good questions, um, you know, and really just to echo, you know, what the, the league says, I mean, there's nothing more important and, and nothing at the forefront of our thoughts um, than the people who are, who are struggling. And again, we've all been affected by this, some more directly than others. And um, if there's any way that we can um, work safely from our homes and, and isolate ourselves and, and give um, the people something to, to tune into and, and get their minds on something else, um, you know, the fans are great here and the fans are great throughout the country and any any role that we can play in helping the recovery process i think we're all for um and then your next question the medical um that's been a little tricky uh certainly you know um we don't want our in the league we certainly fall in line with that we don't want um healthy players that 
we want a second MRI and taking up valuable um, hospital space and, and medical space. So, you know, it just falls back. And, and I feel very fortunate that we have a great training staff and, and Rick Burkholder and I worked a long time together. And it's just going to rely on, on those guys and doing some extra phone calls and, and, and just emailing and, and um, scanning images and, and relying on their connections and their networks throughout the country. Um, so that's been a little bit of a difficult process just because we're so used to, you know, having things and, and flying players in and, and, and kind of working through them. But again, um, you know, we certainly don't want those players um, flying or we don't want them in, in medical space that it should be intended for people that really need it. So um, we're just going to rely on our, our medical staff. And, you know, I think the, the cool thing about our position is that we've all worked together for so long and there's a high trust level, whether it be with Coach and I or with Rick Burkholder or, or you know, the IT department. Um, you know, we're just going to put our faith and trust in those guys and let those guys make phone calls and um, email images and, and, and work uh, just like we are here. Um, but I think we'll be, you know, we'll be prepared and we'll be confident in our approach. Uh, guys, we probably have time for about three more questions. So we're going to go Adam, Herbie, and then Sarin. So, Adam, go ahead and fire away. Hey, Brett. Um, a couple things uh, real quick. Um, are you guys going to start phase one Monday or the next Monday? Yeah, they're gonna. We, I think we're starting, and you know, we've had a lot of stuff going on here. But we have a phase one that I believe uh, starts on Monday, which is a virtual phase one that will go on for three weeks, and then from there we'll kind of just be in contact with the league and, and defer to their kind of guidance. This has been a fluid process here, so you know we're all aware that some of the stuff can change. But you know, from the dialogue I've had with Coach um, and. and and our executives is that, you know, we have a virtual phase one starting. It'll be there um, in place for our players to log on and, and you know, um, go through their video chat sessions with their coaches, and that'll be for the next three weeks. And then we'll kind of be in constant contact with the league and, and kind of work off that format. Okay. And the other thing is, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I believe all the guys you signed this offseason, including your own free agents and outside guys, except for Chad Henney, have been one-year contracts. Um, and Chad was a two-year contract. You're, obviously, you're not taking on any long-term commitments financially here. Is this all about preparing for Pat's contract, or are there some other things involved there as well? Well, I think you know everyone is you know is different. I, I think sometimes there's a little of of just us allowing ourselves flexibility. But a lot of times the players want that. You know, if the players don't get a market they want, that they they don't want to tie it themselves into a, a two or three year deal. So sometimes it, it, it's a combination of uh, us uh, providing ourselves flexibility and, and sometimes a player request where you want a player. Um, certainly there could have been a handful of players we would have liked, you know, we would have done more than one year with a Hamilton, but you know, I think Hamilton's betting on himself and wants to come here on a one year deal, doesn't want to tie himself into a multi-year deal. Um, so I, I think it's it, it appears that it looks like it's one thing, but Adam, the reality of it is sometimes it's a combination of, you know, maybe that was our intent for one guy, but for a different guy, they just, they, they want to do a one-year deal. All right, Herbie, go ahead, buddy. Hey, Brent, to piggyback off of what Adam was talking about there about Mahomes, a two-part question here. Where are you in discussion of contract negotiation with Mahomes' camp, and how realistic is the fifth-year option with that deadline coming up next month? Yeah, I mean, again, you know what? Pat is is a priority, and and you know the way we look at it now, um, with all that's going on, I mean we're going to have a lot of time um, to work with, and uh, again, just Pat and and his agent Chris and, and Lisa Eimberg, they know that Pat's a priority. Um, Pat Pat isn't going anywhere. He's going to be here for a long time. You know, I can never sit here and speak in definitive, so I can't say 
that you know the fifth year won't be an option or anything like that. I mean, it would be hard for me to see that we'd have to use that. You know, we feel that you know it's a priority um, when you have a great player and that great player's a priority. Things get done. Um, it's just hard to put a timetable on exactly when how that will all work out. But you know, we know, and I'm sure he knows that it will get done and it will be taken care of. Uh, okay, so then you want to close us out? Yeah, uh, Brett, if you can talk about, there are a couple of sites, obviously, that uh, do a pretty good job, or at least try to do a good job tracking your caps and everything, and that's been a big storyline for people about where you guys are under the cap. One big report had you at just $177 under the cap before Sammy Watkins' deal got redone. Can, can you let us know where you are cap-wise? Obviously, you know you have enough. We, we Can you confirm that? You, you have enough space to actually make the draft and, and do all that and, and be looking to sign the uh, free agents. And then just to follow up with it, then is there more work being done uh, for trades pre-draft, right? Are you having, I know you're always checking in with all the other teams. What do you guys want? What are you thinking? Where are you looking to go? But do you have to get more framework done on those kind of trades uh, before this draft goes? That's uh, because of the different uh, scenario you're facing. Yeah, um, well, the first part of your question in regards to, you know, where we are cap-wise and, you know, some of these, obviously, these sites that fans use the um, over the cap and, and sports track, those are good sites. They're, they're not always accurate, um, but they're close. You know, it, it takes anywhere from, you know, three to five million to sign, and depending on what you look at, you may say, well, shoot, they don't even have enough to, to sign a draft class, but, um, you know, the, the cap and is flexible, and what we're able to do is flexible, and, you know, there's a um, an array of moving parts that, you know, we, we feel confident in. So as far as, um, you know, doing some business from here to the season or signing our draft picks, you know, we have a plan that we've been working off of all along and, and you know, we feel confident in, in that. So the numbers may say one thing too. And as you, you know, I know Serena, you say on top of the cap, um, there are just so many different things that you can do to, to get yourself to where you need to be. And it's hard you know, unless I guess you're sitting in, in our rooms here to know kind of what we're thinking. But um, suffice to say that we've uh, obviously we're aware of what it costs to, you know, to, to sign our draft picks. And um, but to your point, you're right. I mean, there are some things that we've talked about and we're prepared to do a number of different things. And, and we've been working off this blueprint the whole time. So that's a good question. Um, and then your second part um, in regards to the draft dialogue, I think what's hard for us is, you know, it's hard when you're if you're picking in the top 10 or top 15. I think you can have really substantial discussions right now and you know you can maybe not do a deal but get to the point where if this player's on the board they feel good about where they would be for compensation i think you saw the eagles do it a couple years ago with carson wentz they made that trade weeks before the draft and and i think certainly if you're in that top 10 i think there's a lot of room for really meaningful dialogue of trades right now we're certainly going to have our phones and we'll be making calls but Every time you make a call right now, picking at 32, it's going to be, uh, and we've gotten these already, but we'll wait and see. We have no idea. And I think it'll all come down to, you know, teams that are picking in the second round. And if they fall in love with the player, and let's just say they had the top 15 pick and, you know, they were debating between one player and another, they went with one player, then all of a sudden at 32, that other player is still there. Now, for, certainly the first part of that is where we, what we feel about that player or any other player. But if you do run into that scenario, um, that's what it will come down to. If that player that another team picking in the second round didn't think would be there, and all of a sudden they're there, then phones will start to heat up. It's just hard because there's just so many variables. Obviously, the variable combination from 1 to 10 is exponentially different than the variable combination of 1 to 32. So it will be um, 
it will be exciting. I, I think that, you know, and I think the way this draft sets up when you have, anytime you have a draft with four quarterbacks and four um, premium tackles, uh, you know, expect a lot of curveballs. I think there's going to be a lot of players um, that maybe the public didn't think would be there in, in the late first round. So um, that'll be good for us um, from both a drafting perspective and potential, you know, trade down perspective. That'll do it for today, but it's only the beginning of our draft coverage. Most of the next few shows will be dedicated to the draft, one of the live sporting events that hasn't been canceled by COVID-19. Thanks to the production team of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. We'll be back on Friday with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.